What's up, advocates? And welcome to episode three of the Claims Game Podcast. Real quick, uh, we're sponsored by Fortez Health. And Fortez Health is basically selling all kinds of masks and protective gear, which is really good to have right nowadays in this coronavirus to make sure that you're protecting yourself and protecting others around you when you're walking into all these houses and you're walking into all these properties and you're meeting and greeting different people in our industry. Uh, you want to stay protected. So if you put in the promo code Vince20, you'll get 20% off any of your orders. Some really good prices there. Today, we are interviewing Randolph Love. Very special interview for me because Randolph Love is actually a very new adjuster. So this is for all you new adjusters out there and some of the things that you should do. Randolph Love has been only an adjuster for about two years. And I first met Randolph when we were when he came and trained with me for a day. Uh, so he basically shadowed me for a day, which is something we're going to offer in the one-on-one consulting course coming soon. And what you're going to hear from Randolph is just sort of all the tips and tricks that you need to do in order to become successful in this business the right way and the fast way, which is basically educating yourself. You need to educate yourself. You need to read books. You need to learn more. You need to take courses. You need to do whatever you you, you need to do whatever you can, so that basically you can just fast track yourself into becoming the best public adjuster possible. You'll learn everything, but it's just going to take longer as opposed to if you take Randolph's course, which is just basically learning and learning and learning and never knowing enough and learning more you're going to you're going to be at a place where Randolph is now and I'm telling you right now he's going to be he's going to be big time in the industry so take a look at Randolph loves uh, Facebook take a look at Randolph loves uh, uh, LinkedIn I'm not sure if he has a website or not, but you can find him all over social media. He's very involved in all of the public adjusting groups as well, and he knows all the big wigs. So get to know Randolph. Hopefully get to know him in this interview. It was a real pleasure interviewing him. He is the man. I love this guy, and I think you're going to enjoy this interview. So for all you newbies out there, enjoy. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. That's Fiverr, man. Oh, yeah, I know. Is that easy? I I was going to say specifically who on Fiverr. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I can tell you who it is. Actually, you know, it was was an American guy. It wasn't like, it wasn't somebody from like uh, Pakistan or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. It was American. Yeah. Yeah, man. Okay. Right. I don't remember which company it was, but, or which guy it was, but I mean, dude, it's like, I think it was like 50 bucks. Oh yeah, man. Like I say, I think, cause I think we were talking about fiber when we met up, but yeah, it's, it's a very wonderful uh, place for, to find freelancers. Definitely. Man. And a lot of the stuff that I do with the commercial claims advocate, with the website, with everything, I mean, I'll just go on there. I'll look for like a, a level one seller, level two seller, whatever. I'll look at some of the reviews and if it's, if I think it's legit and the price is good, I mm-hmm. mean, I hate to say it, but it's a lot better than paying someone here in the US five or six times the amount of money. Hey man, mutually beneficial, but hopefully, eventually, everybody will be able to make money and take care of Cause you know, I, 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 I'm watching a, a new movie on, um, well, not a movie, a series, uh, Perry Mason. They're redoing Perry Mason, right? But and you know, two dollars was a lot of money. And my granddaddy, he would work all day and make three dollars. And that was considered to the common person a lot of money. So yeah, I mean, hopefully their economy gets to where we're at eventually to where what we're paying them isn't, you know, but 
their economy works just like the, the, that two, three dollar economy worked back in the early 1900s for us. You know, they're just on their own path. Yeah, right. Well, I like I like that you say that. You say one thing mm -hmm. I like about you, Randolph, is you always have a positive spin on things. Absolutely. And I think that's a great way of looking at it because at the end of the day, yes, our economy is obviously much stronger, which is why we're allowed to pay a much cheaper rate. But it would be nice also that mm -hmm. if it could be, we could have one day in some kind of heavenly dream that we all have that maybe we'll, we'll, we'll all be some sort of level playing field throughout the entire world. But I don't know. If everybody's on the same level, then what's the point? But well, you know, ahead, but we're not going to get into. Uh, oh, I don't think we should get into that because then it's yeah, going to get nasty. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Randolph, um, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely, really thank you, man. Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate it. Uh, man. How long have we known each other now? It's been about a year, right? Yeah, I mean, you were when I when I finally decided to switch from IA to public adjuster. You were one of the first people that I reached out to. And I appreciate that you you uh, you responded immediately. Yeah, I mean that's what this business is all about: is responding and being accessible, right? Yeah, scary fast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that's funny because Jack Jack Hanks mentioned that in the last one. He gets like all he gets all crazy if a text message or an email is just mm -hmm. sitting there for too long and he hasn't responded yet. I'm kind of the same way, but my thing is more like I'll just forget. So mm -hmm. if I don't if I don't respond immediately, I'm just going to end up forgetting, which uh -huh. is which is much worse. I'd rather just respond immediately just so I don't forget later. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I'd be in situations where a, a lot of my claims involve roofs. So I'm not responding on a roof. <laughs> I'm right. going to you know, wait until I get out. And then sometimes, you know, you just, you forget to the end of the day, but that's a part of being a good adjuster is knowing that if you schedule that for the end of your day, run through your text messages at the end of every day, then, you know, you can catch those uh, stragglers. Absolutely. Well, that's another that's another great strategy. I mean, mm -hmm. not everyone has to be the crazy, crazy strategy that I use where I have to do it right on the spot. I mean, if you're oh, yeah. capable of saving it all until the end of the day, I think as long as you respond within 24 hours to anything and everything, then then all is good. I'll tell you one thing, uh, one strategy I developed, because sometimes this business could swallow you whole, is I turned off my email notifications. Ah. And I, I try, I try to only respond to emails sometime in the morning and sometime in the late afternoon. I haven't reached your level of uh, tranquility yet. Yeah, well, <laughs> my emails go off, yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work out so well because yeah. I end up looking at my emails anyway without ever anything oh, yeah, going man. on. I got I to see the emails, you know, but once again, it's one of the things where if I can't respond immediately, because I'm all about uh, uh, putting just little traps for the bad side, right? Just little traps. So if I don't, if I can't respond immediately, I start, you know. Nice. And that way, once again, when at the end of the day, when I'm looking at, when I'm scrolling through all of my text messages, I'm looking through all my start ones and then boom, doo -doo -doo -doo. but yeah, like you say, as long as it's off within the first 24 hours, man, I don't think nobody can expect anything more from you. Right. <laughs> 24 um, hours, give me a break. I agree. Um, one thing I wanted. So the reason why I had you on Randolph is, uh, well, for a lot. One thing is um, I, I admire you a lot. Thank um, you. The reason why I admire you, Randolph, is because you are, I don't want to use the lame ass term go-getter. Uh, I want to use the term more like you, you, you're always searching for more information. 
Yes. You, I feel like you have sort of, uh, you have gotten to the realization that we don't realize that you've gotten to the, 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 to the realization that you could never know too much. And no matter how much, you know, we still don't know nothing. Yeah. So, it, so we need to keep learning. Something new, I find out it's another level. It's crazy. It's, it seems, it, it seems limitless. Uh, and it can be, it felt daunting once I first realized it, but I just had to train myself to like, all right, uh, as I keep reaching these different stages of knowledge and then immediately, not later, but immediately finding out that there's something else that I don't know. Uh, now I, I just welcome it and I'm correlating it to how efficient I'm becoming. It allows me to uh, have time in my day to talk to a friend like you. Uh, it allows me to work on hobbies. It allows me to travel, hang out with people because the more efficient I get, I'm handling more, I'm charging more, but I'm spending less time. That's funny. You know what? Uh, you Have you ever heard of Jocko Willink? Nah, but he sounds like he's uh, from France. No, Jocko is a former uh, Marine Navy SEAL. He fought in war and all that stuff, and he's a big motivational guy now. And uh -huh. his, his phrase is called discipline equals freedom. There you go. And what he says is basically, initially, it doesn't make sense, right? You're more disciplined. How are you more free? But the more disciplined you are, the more you know, the more sort of time restricted you are with the sort of time that you have, it, it actually opens up a lot more time for you, too. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So um, what I wanted to to talk to you about, you mentioned something about you were just talking about how you, when you came to the realization about about wanting to know more. And we've had some deep conversations in the past yeah. and I'm not afraid to go after those things again. So you, you mentioned something about, yeah, but when the realization of you needing to know more and learn more, tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about that. Ah, oh, man, it was, uh, well, it was really when I switched from IA to public adjusting, right? And it's not really, it's not one of those things where you're discouraged from learning more like because you you definitely get those prompts uh close to every two years saying that you have to do continuing education right. from the carrier right but it's not like hey but you know also do this also do this so i was considered good uh when i switched from an ia to a public adjuster i was considered good but once i became a public adjuster then i started looking at these building codes right then I'm, I'm looking at these uh, these manufacturer recommendations. Uh, I'm looking at after the fact, after I've turned in my file to the desk adjuster, I'm seeing the aftermath of, you know, what happens when after that first inspection. So tell me about Tell me about that because that's messages that I get. You were probably one of the first to really alarm me about that, but I get it all the time now. I get messages all the time from IAs who are pissed off at their estimates getting gutted at, at, at about from a desk adjuster who hasn't even been out to the property, and they're trying to tell you what should be paid for and what should be not. Tell me a little bit about your experience with that. Well, it's, it's one of them things where it's – the, the, the way the way I can explain it is you don't necessarily get told every time to leave certain things off. Right. It's uh, as you start learning more as a, a independent adjuster or a staff adjuster, 
you start including more things because you know more things, right? Right. And then you send it to whoever you're supposed to send it to. And they say, well, take this off, take this off, take this off. Now, some people might say, ask why. And then they'll get an answer, maybe saying that these are the guidelines that we're following. Some people might not even ask why they might just do it and send it in. But if after a few times of you being told to leave something off, you start not including it, it becomes conditioned that this just isn't something that's covered, not necessarily because of the policy, but because of the guidelines. And and that's another thing. Um, you we get we get the guidelines, of course, or we're supposed to read the policy. But a lot of the templates already have the denial language already included in the partial denial or full denial letters. So so it's one of them things to where I'm I'm not even demonizing the uh, the independent adjusters, the desk adjusters, the claims managers, because I know I wasn't a demon then. It's just I didn't know. And I think a lot of them don't know. Now, you do have some people that do know exactly what they're doing and they seem to get some kind of pleasure from it. But that they're a very small part, at least based off my experience. Yeah, I think if you look at it like that, you come to an understanding that it sort of is what it is and you can't really do much about it. And like you said, it doesn't make you a demon. The problem I have, though, with some of them, and most of the IAs I get along with very well, the problem I have with some of the adjusters is the ones that are sort of screaming out right off the bat, not covered, or right off the bat, or right off the bat, worse yet, fraud. This is Florida. So you know there's you know there's a problem with this claim. I had an adjuster the other day legit tell me, you know, it's a shame what this industry has become. And I said, why is that? He said, well, it seems like eight out of eight out of the 10 properties that, that I walk into are complete BS and total fraud. Wow. And in my head, I'm like, man, if that's the way this guy's thinking already, that's that's not good. So we had three inspections in one day. And yeah, same adjusters. Okay. We happen to schedule them all on the same day. He comes outside because he mentions it again and he comes outside and he's an older gentleman. And I said, listen, man, I, I know they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I said, but you got to change your mentality with this because if you're already walking in, you know, thinking this, that's not going to help me. And that's especially not going to help our client. And one thing that I always try to tell adjusters, independent adjusters and desk adjusters and this I learned from uh, from one of those negotiating books, uh, Getting to Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's basically no matter what negotiation you have with no matter what side, you th- there's always some kind of common ground. And there should always be at least one thing that you guys can oh, – I can't think of the word right now. But like there's always some kind of common ground. And what I try to always tell the adjusters that I'm negotiating with or that we're going back and forth and we've got disputes, I say, look, at the end of the day, who's our most common interest? And mm-hmm. that's the insured. You know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, dude, if you're coming in there like this and you're thinking that this is just, it's just some kind of fraud. I'm like, we got, we got, we got bigger, we got bigger problems. That's not good. I I try to get them to know first. Because if if I can figure out what their no is. That's from that other book. Well, shoot. I I think I picked this up from, um, it was a course on LinkedIn learning. I don't know if oh, anybody you told me about that. LinkedIn. Man, I don't know if everybody, anybody takes advantage of that, but it's hey, only. Say what's up real quick to Facebook Live. Say what's up, man. 
Oh, what's up, Facebook Live? What's going on? <laughs> We're here with Randolph Love, by the way. He's a, a public adjuster out in Jacksonville. Randolph Love Consulting. All right, sorry. Go ahead. You were talking about LinkedIn. Oh, yeah, but I don't know if anybody takes advantage of that, but it's like $30 a month, and you get taught courses by industry leaders. I mean, provable, not like – um. Because, you know, some 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 people on the Internet are just great at marketing. Right. And they 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 get you to buy their course uh, because they're great at marketing. But you don't necessarily know their credentials. But these people that are teaching these courses on LinkedIn learning, you know what their credentials are. And it, it really and they really teach some very good stuff. I learned some very good techniques and and uh, skills from there. Are you still using it? Yeah, absolutely. You still absolutely. go on the LinkedIn learning? Well, I haven't been on it in about a couple months because I started focusing my training on, you know, learning building codes and all of that stuff. Like I'm I'm trying to get licensed in that now. That's that's my goal. I saw your Facebook post yesterday about becoming the uh, becoming the home inspector. I like what Mike uh, what Mike said, Mike Bowman said about getting that that roofer certification. I'm like, ooh. see, absolutely. See, the roofer one, that's one of the ones where. I looked up the requirements and I'm like, it's tough. Not that it's tough, but uh, you have to um, actually put, I think the way they, they prefer is you actually put hands on building things. Right. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to go out there and build a house or build a roof, but I don't mind learning the theory. So when it comes to the building inspector license, you don't actually have to build a house, but you do have to go out. And uh, if you want to reach the upper echelon, actually do inspections. Uh, you know, you can reach out to friends or family members and do their inspections and then you can you can become certified. And so you don't have to do that to become licensed. But once you become licensed, if you want to become certified, then you, you go that route. But That's I think it's something, hmm? those are two separate things. Yeah, yeah it's easier to be, get, get licensed, I think. Uh, are you, you talking about have, the roofing or are you talking about the home inspector now? Home inspecting because, you know, the roof is a component of the home, right? Because and, and in order to um, uh, get these additional certifications specific for roofing, you have to first be licensed as a, a home inspector. So, you know, that that me is something that's just a ancillary and, and going to be complementary to to what we do, because I, I've gotten a lot of claims taken care of just off building code. So why not learn more about it? Well, can you give me an example? What? Like, a, all right. So, I mean, we're in Florida. You know that if 25 percent of the component needs to be repaired or replaced, the entire roof system needs to be done that way. So that's one building code to where I'm like, OK, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, and if they're only repairing one slope of the roof, they shouldn't be taking off depreciation. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Well, that's that's something else. That's not a building. Go code. for it. Go for it. Well, if they're doing a repair and not fully replacing the roof, why is depreciation coming off? Like they're not they're not made better by this. The rest of the roof is still going to decay or whenever it's supposed to decay. Having one slope or two slopes that have been repaired doesn't put the homeowner in a better situation. So. When you get it to where they're actually uh, depreciating, you fight against it. You completely, uh, uh, you can completely reject that notion. And if they cho still choose not to remove depreciation, now you potentially have a bad faith claim right there.
So, uh, that, but that's just stuff that I learned from these courses. I could have been bumping my head for five years trying to learn this knowledge, but I just, I met with people like you. I met with people, uh, uh, independent uh, insurance busters. I met with Skipton and Associates. I met with uh, uh, LPLC Consulting with their training. I met with IAUA, just a lot of training that I went to, to where they've been doing this for over a decade, over two decades, over three decades. Why not learn it in my second, third, fourth year? Why not? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's great. That's, again, that's why I wanted to have you on is because mm-hmm. I want to encourage a lot of these a lot of these guys that send me messages on a daily basis who are just starting out, who are just getting into it, uh, how how fast you could really speed up the learning process in this yes. business if you're willing to put the time in. Absolutely. I mean, look at that. You've got how many courses have you, how many different courses have you taken and stuff? I mean, a lot. A lot. And when I talk to you about it, you're always telling me it's just like, look, I may not get a lot, but if I get one thing out of it, one yes. thing that I didn't know before, that's that's priceless. Absolutely. It changes the whole game. Just one to two things that you grab and you keep reinforcing the other stuff that you learn. So the only thing that builds confidence is continually doing the same thing over and over again successfully. When you do take these courses, you increase the chances of you having a successful claim. Then another successful claim. After 10 successful claims, you're very confident and you speak as such. Your letters have that tone of confidence without sounding arrogant, of course. But uh, that's what going to these courses do for me, at least. It, it, it gives me the confidence to say what I believe should be said without any hesitation or apprehension. Yeah, because you know already from the amount of experience that you've learned from, mm-hmm. you already know now you've got the confidence that you could say some things that maybe, I mean, maybe if you were just literally just two or three years in without any of those courses, you wouldn't have the guts to say it because you weren't sure or you wouldn't know. But now you got all the confidence in the world to, to really make your case. Absolutely. Everything that we, you know, we have one in a million are, are people are innovators, right? That do things for the first time that uh, blaze a trail, right? But for the most part, all of us, everything we're doing, we saw somebody else do first. Exactly. Yes. So when you in this industry, if you keep seeing other people do things first, it's just going to it's just going to keep happening. The more you hang around these people, they're going to be saying things that are commonplace to them. It's, it's being commonplace. It's it's the equivalent of of telling somebody, oh, yeah, when you when you go down the street, uh, you stop at a red light. Right. Matter of fact, I, I got a good example. Um, one time I was at an intersection and. I turned into the, the the light had just turned yellow. Like, you know, they have a six second, they have three second yellow lights and they have six second yellow lights, right? This is my neighborhood. I know that this is a six second yellow light, right? So as soon as I get to the intersection, it turns yellow and then I proceed into the intersection. As soon as I did that, a police pulled me over, right? Immediately, he got out. He was he was emphatic. He was he was so upset about this, and I'm like, I, I'm trying to. I say, what's going on? He says, uh, you just ran that yellow light. I said, yes, it was a, a yellow light. He said, you're supposed to stop at a yellow light, right? I said, I said no. 
and, 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 and I knew this because I took a traffic course because I was trying to um, avoid getting points on a ticket. Right. I said, no, if you you're able to proceed in, into a yellow light, as long as you don't have to accelerate. And, he, and then he took my license. He went back to his car and I said it so confidently because I literally just took the course. Right? <laughs> That's funny. He came back and he gave me a license and said, well, you know, have a good day uh, next time. Um, uh, you, you know, he just said you're supposed to stop at a yellow light. And then he just he didn't give me a ticket. Didn't write me a warning. He just left. But if I didn't know that that rule, even though it was commonplace to a lot of people, but to most people, including that officer, which could be an insurance adjuster, right. to most people, until you tell them that rule, they don't know. And then once you tell them the rule, hey, you you get a you know you get to do what you want need to do. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the way to do it. The more, you yep. know, the more you can really throw stuff back at these people's faces, because at the end of the day, a lot of them don't know why yep. is it that we're always trying to assume that the other side already knows and has all the answers. But a lot of times they don't know either because that, that policy is just as confusing to a lot to the other side as it is to our side sometimes. Oh, yeah, and, and we can be just as bad, man. I've been with public adjusters where I was with them when we learned something new, like we both had that, like that wild face, right? And then a month later, we come across somebody that doesn't know that, and they, how can he not know this? Like, I'm like <laughs> we literally just learned this. <laughs> and you tell it, you, you upset with this, uh, this poor adjuster for not knowing that what we just learned. So, you know, just, you know, use it as a teaching uh, opportunity. And then a lot of those adjusters, they appreciate when you teach them things without coming off as being, um, uh, more uh, holier than thou. They, are, you know, because you can do it. I, I, I plant little inception seeds. I just ask a little. I ask little questions throughout the claims process that I know either they can't answer. It's hard for them to answer, or they never thought about the answer throughout my claims. And then you know, it usually works out because even though they don't answer the question, I know that they're thinking about it. Well, can you give me some examples of those? What I mean. Well, you know, just the repair thing, for example, uh, it's, it's saying so asking give me, them. Give me, give me a good story, a good recent story, if you got one. OK, let me think. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, you put me on the spot. Let me see if I can think of one. Hmm. OK, so I had a, a, a somebody. Well, basically, the house was flooded. Well, not an actual flood, but it was a broken pipe in the second story. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so the house is, is completely not stripped, but you know, they have the flood cuts. They have the, all the carpet up, all of the laminate flooring up, uh, the tile up, all of that stuff. So the house is unlivable, right? So, uh, the homeowner and her family is in a, uh, a, a 600 square foot, uh, hotel, which they don't know how fast or how long it's going to take, but that's the initial place that they were put because uh, usually, which everybody has their own thing, but what I don't really like to touch the ALE. I like to let the homeowner keep all of that. So a lot of times if the homeowner is able to uh, work out something with the insurance company directly, as far as their temporary housing, I don't mind them co attempting to collaborate with the insurance company on a good faith effort. Right. So uh, the guy tells me, uh, he says, uh, I say, well, I'm going to be sending this is the guy. I mean, the uh, independent adjuster. I say, I'm going to be sending you um, the receipts for the additional living expenses. 
Uh, and then he says, well, you know, uh, because they've been uh, going out, oh, well, we're not really going to pay for them going out because they have a stove. And I said, so you're saying that if they do have receipts for having to eat out, being that they're not in their normal house, that you're not going to pay for it because they had the stove available to them and and they should be able to cook. He said, yes. I say, well, uh, show me that in the policy. Right. Nice. Show me that in the policy. So uh, so he, he sends me, of course, uh, just the standard copy and paste of the entire condition. Yeah, it's just the whole the whole uh, section of conditions. They just copied and pasted. Right. Uh, basically, my reasoning has to be somewhere in these group of words that I've read, but I can't find it. But I'm still going to paste this right here. So uh, I, I tell him, I say, hey, uh, that's not what we're going to do. It says that they have to find something comparable to them. Uh, my, this homeowner lives in a 26 square foot, 2600 square foot home. It's 600 feet comparable. And I know a lot of people that can cook. They need at least three stoves ready. This two stove kitchenette, is that comparable? Right. So it was one of those situations where I took that. I knew that it wasn't what they put in that letter. That was the rules. It's what's in the actual policy. That's the rules. And once I asked him, hey, is it in the policy? Can you show me that in the policy? He probably was never asked that question before. Right. And then now uh, in, in later letters, the same claim. He now, you know, he still puts the guidelines for ALE, but he he always puts a disclaimer now, basically saying, hey, but read your policy. Uh, this is because, you know, I'm writing letters basically saying I don't agree. I don't agree. I'm not letting anything slide. I'm just in every one of my letters. I'm saying I don't agree. So now he has that disclaimer like, hey, this is what I have to put because it's in my template. But uh, he added his little hey, but read your policy because, you know, he don't want to get in trouble. But he probably just learned that. And from his claims from here on out, he's probably going to uh, not hold people to that uh, limitation. Right. Are you right. I got one now where they are. He's they put him up in a in a in a hotel room. Mind you, mm -hmm. it's, it's the insured, his wife and his four dogs. Mm. In a hotel room. His house is about, I don't know, probably about 14, 1500 square feet. And he's in a hotel room. Mm -hmm. And I'm usually like you, I don't like to get involved too much, but at the same time, I'm trying to help him however I can. And we're trying to, I told him, I said, look, if you could find, if you can get like an agent or something to find you a house that's comparable to the way you're, to the house that you're living now, that's great. Um, and I even said, cause my wife likes to look at, uh, she likes to look at Airbnbs and, and all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. I said, look, I'll see if my wife wants to look for something in that area too, because maybe we could find something. He's like, oh, that'd be great too. So anyway, I tell the, uh, I tell the adjuster that, I said, look, I'm going to try to see if I could find you three places, three places that are comparable to the to the house that he lives in currently. And uh, you guys can choose from there. And she's got the nerve to tell me, well, you know, on the property, there is a uh, what does she tell me? There's a there's a cabin and a trailer. Um, maybe you can tell him to hook up the water and the electricity there <laughs> and he can just stay there. And I'm like, wait a minute. I said, so what you're trying to tell me is that it's it's okay that he can't live in his house, but it's okay for him to live in a cabin that has no plumbing, no electricity, no running water, and you want him to go out of his way to go to the state to get all this stuff installed now? 
I'm like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Well, well, I just don't understand because it looks extremely livable anyway. I talked to the insured and he's just like, Vince, he's like, that's like my storage cabin. I don't yeah. know. There's no way that my wife and my four dogs could live in there. You kidding me? Wouldn't yeah. last two days. So the letter's going to have to go out now. That's going to be my next step. And I actually, I learned that in a book. Uh, um, basically, the cost of the comparable living expenses are now a part of, potentially, a part of your negotiation now, right? Because uh, just imagine if uh, somebody has a home that's, you know, 5,000 square foot, a pool, right? Not nice, just nice everything. So to find a home that's comparable to theirs is probably anywhere from renting wise, maybe anywhere from three to $6,000 a month, right? That's one of the things that uh, some public adjusters use to where they say, hey, we can stretch this thing on for another six months. But if you do the math, three times six is 18,000. We're only different by 10,000. Let's let's go ahead and get this taken care of today. You save your company that 8,000 and we and we and we get. But if you didn't, you if you didn't get your homeowner something that was comparable in the beginning, you didn't have that opportunity to use that uh, that monthly uh, rent as a leverage. Right. Right. Yeah. It gets complicated, man. Especially nah. when you get, when you get, Damn, ALM. huh? It's, well, that, that's a saying that I started saying, which I'm, I'm pretty sure somebody probably said it before me, but I started saying it's checkers, not chess. Uh, once uh, you get, once, man, once you start learning like the wise, not just reacting, but the why is this it, it really becomes, uh, like rainbow jumps. To yeah. me, but no, but once again, I don't. I know that I'm still learning, and and I, it's only rainbow jumps at the level that I'm at now. Every time I get to this level, I do look up and I do see another chess game. Matter of fact, I see the uh, the Star Trek chess game, the the nice. three level chess game. But once you get into it, you then it becomes another checker game, and checkers is still a fun competitive game. But it's not as hard as chess. It's not as hard as chess. That's for sure. What are uh, what are some of the things you're doing now to to continue to educate and to continue to grow? Well, like I said, I'm looking into the getting all of my licensing to be a Florida licensed home inspector. Nice. Uh, what else? I have some trainings, you know, set up to help me to be able to present myself better if I'm deposed or in a court as an real quick, witness. real quick. I'll get back to that, but just so what list them off for me, uh, just for the audience, list them off the courses that you've taken up to now over the last, what, two and a half years or so. Well, I think it's, it's deeper than the two, uh, cause starting in 2016, well, 2015, that's when I started getting my first uh, major insurance designation. So uh, I'm a chartered life underwriter. So there's a slew of courses under that. I'm a chartered, chartered life underwriter. Mm -hmm. okay. So basically it's, uh, it's, it's considered like a master's in life insurance. So if like any state for the most part, I don't, I can't think of any states that I can't, but like with that designation, any state that I go to, I just have to sign a paper and they give me a life insurance license. I don't have to take any uh, exams or anything for it. As far as they're concerned, I've already proven 
my competence in that uh, that subject. Uh, I'm a chartered property casualty underwriter, uh, which a lot of people, I don't think a lot of a, a public adjusters know about it, but a lot of uh, insurance carrier adjusters know about it. It's considered the highest designation that you can get in the property and casualty insurance industry. What's and, it called again? Uh, chartered property casualty underwriter, CPCU. CPCU, that's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's something that helped me a lot. And I got that back in 2016. Uh, I'm also a chartered financial consultant, uh, which I think I got that in 2016 or 2017. I don't recall, but it's a whole slew of uh, courses under that. Now, keep in mind, all of these courses are still regulated. All of these designations are still regulated by the uh, Department of Financial Services. So what what was happening is I kept hearing a lot of the same curriculum and then they would just add the additional curriculum, whether it was life insurance or financial consulting or uh, adjusting claims. Right. And as I did that, when I started getting into this side, I didn't realize I thought I was just a natural. But nah, it's because I had did so, so much intensive studying that. The, the stuff that I thought that was intuitive. Nah, it's just because I've been reading this stuff for years. Right. And then right. And now it's coming out because I'm practicing it. What else? Um, I did uh, training with contractors, uh, with uh, the, the people at level the playing field. Um, public adjusters do not discount what you can learn from contracting associations. I mean, when you're able to talk like them, you're able to get things bought. Um, I went to Insurance Busters public adjusting training. Um, great training. Uh, it, it definitely put my mind on another another level. I went to Skipton Associates uh, training. Uh, definitely complimentary. Both of those public adjusters trainings definitely made me think about things that I never thought about. And both combined, I do feel like I'm 20 years ahead of my time. Uh, I did your training. You were the one of the first people that I reached out to. Now, let me tell you, because I was I knew I knew we were going to be having this podcast. So I was I was thinking about all the stuff we did that day. Now, I didn't even realize this event. So correct me if I'm wrong. Right. So you, you picked me up at the hotel. Right. We went to a, a, a public adjuster. uh a public adjuster inspection that you had. I think it was a hot water heater in the attic, I think. Right. So, boom, uh, that you, you didn't really say too much to the guy. You know, you asked him a couple questions, but you didn't really say too much. Right. Then we went to uh, an insurance appraisal. It was a continuous hardwood floors and cabinetry. Right. And line of sight stuff. You said more. Right. Uh, you were in appraisal. You knew that it was more of a relationship thing, negotiation thing. So you you, you were talking more. Right. And, you know, this is just me thinking about. All right. Me trying to unpack everything that I saw, but didn't realize what I was seeing. Right. Uh, you also had to take a check to the bank to get a, a, like a, a signature uh, certification on it. That right. I had to sit there for a while, too. I remember yeah. that. I mean, and, and, <laughs> And you, but you were you were handling all. You also met with a new prospect. Now, keep in mind, this is all in the same day. Right. You you also met with a new prospect 
that was one thinking about filing a claim. You you looked at it. You told her what could happen. And at the end, I think you ultimately said uh, you might not need to file a claim uh, based off what your deductible is and based off the damages that I'm able to see. Uh, that's what you advise. Uh, we what else we did? You like you were negotiating on the phone with somebody. Uh, you were. Uh, I, the numbers were, uh, and you, you know, you told me your strategies, right? And then the numbers right there, and I said, I said, oh man, that's great. You got exactly what you wanted. He said, oh really? Oh, I didn't even realize it. But the guy was going to call back with a better number because, uh, because of what you said, right? He said, well, just give me eleven. Let, let me look at it, right? Uh, what else happened? <laughs> we went to your house. Uh, your father-in-law cooked for us, right? <laughs> we watched Foxy Brown. Right, we did watch Foxy Brown. That's right. <laughs> With Pamela Greer and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Then we split up. We got back together. We met up. I think it was a was it is it American Social in Tampa? Yep. We met at American Social. No, we I picked got, you up for that. Yeah, we split up, and then I picked you up for that. Absolutely. Oh. Uh, you picked me up. We, we went to American Social. We talked shop, uh, and we we talked about our lives. Then we met with one of your first party. Uh, we went to a bar and met That's with one right. of your first party attorneys. Like. Dude, when I look back on it, and I didn't make this realization to today, you literally walked me through the entire claims process. <laughs> in a one day, day. In life, baby, just a day in the life. From from first inspection to attorney. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. From, from from getting this the, the the check endorsed, and you had a, a, a you had a you had one problem client that you you read you you were basically composing the email throughout the day. You were bouncing off your composition of your email to me as we were going to eat. So you literally, uh, when I look back on it, you showed me the entire claims process. But it's something that in retrospect, I didn't realize. Like, wow, he really did show me everything. And he was. I appreciate that, man. You got to talk You gotta talk to my wife because my wife thinks that I just ride around all day. I don't really do shit. Well, I don't know about the other days. I was only there for that <laughs> one day. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, that's what I tell people. But it's like you said, it's discipline equals freedom, right? Because at yeah. the end of the day, I'm doing whatever I can and you're doing whatever you can. And as public adjusters, we're trying to get everything in as much as we can and get through that whole process so that, frankly, if something does come up in our personal lives that we need to take care of, at least we have time to do that as well. And we it, throughout that day, which was a pretty action-packed day, we had a nice, relaxed lunch. Mm -hmm. It's not like we were in a rush. Yeah, we easy. Were, we were done by around five, five thirty. We went in, we changed, showered, and we went out and had a good time. Mm -hmm. You know, we went out to have to have dinner, have some drinks, and then we even met with that attorney later on. So, yeah, I mean, that's 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 kind of what it's all about. I appreciate that, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, it was a solid full day, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping that I can do with some of these guys. Now we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that one-on-one -on -one consulting thing. And mm -hmm. honestly, that that again, that that honestly comes from comes from the day that that we had together as well you know mm -hmm. it was it's just when i did that with you i felt you know me now i'm a i'm a man i'm a i'm a one-on-one -on -one guy you know i'm a building relationships with guys with that that's kind of like what i want to do i like to build good positive confident relationships with people and i feel like with the one-on-one -on -one, you get to do that a lot easier uh, mm -hmm. maybe eventually in the future we do classes or something like that but for now i think it's it'd be it'd be a good outlet for me to to try to grow this thing a little bit by doing some one-on-one -on -one consulting with people because I feel like since it's the first time that the commercial claims advocate is doing this, I feel like people will get the most out of it. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that, man. 
and, and, and you know, I, I don't really know too many people in Florida that are actively uh, seeking to help uh, train pu other public adjusters. You know, of course, there's people throughout the United States, but I don't I, I can't really think of nobody in Florida that's doing it yet. So, well, I was talking, yeah, I was talking about it with somebody, you know. I don't remember when I first started there being any opportunities to learn much about anything, you know, I yep. admire you. I admire you for taking all the courses that you're doing, but thank God it's even available right now. Yeah. You know, when I started, there was no, there was no skipped in. There was no, there was no level the playing field, which is one I really want to take by the way. And there was no, there was no boot camp that didn't even exist. Thankfully, it seems to me, especially in the Facebook scene that public injustice are uniting. Yeah. And that's fantastic because it's like I was telling you with the Skipton course, which is what, thank you, by the way, for convincing me to do that. Yeah, for, absolutely. Those that, for those that don't know, man, Randolph called me personally. He's just like, Vince, you got to do it. Just do it. I promise you're not going to regret it. Just do it. You're going to learn one thing. And I'm like, fine, fine. I'll do it because you come to a place in your career where you get a little complacent. You know, mm -hmm. you do. And, and I was even telling you throughout the course, and this is uh, good for people who are interested in, in, in maybe doing some education. I was telling you even throughout the course, I was like, I know a lot about this stuff already. But something clicked. Yeah. And like you said, you said it's going to happen the second day. Something clicked like <laughs> around day two, midway day two. I don't know what it was. I mean, I was here in my office doing the whole thing anyway. And it was just like, it's not that I learned anything new. It's that I realized that I just had to tighten up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tighten up my game a little bit so that I could really spend those extra 15, 20 minutes or even an extra day, wait a day, think about it before I shoot that email off or before mm -hmm. I put that letter together. Let me get all my facts right. Let me make sure it's totally like a clear, concise language of here's what we're claiming, here's why we're claiming, and here's why you should pay. And if you decide not to, uh, you know, my attorney's gonna take this like a like a present, and they're gonna they're gonna Absolutely. love this thing, you know. A and, wrap present with a bow. Exactly, that's what I always yeah. tell them. Yeah. So it was good because again, I learned a few new things. I'm not gonna say I didn't learn anything new because there's definitely a lot of policy language and just like just insurance lingo, which I'm trying to put the course together now, mm -hmm. and and I'm realizing, yeah, I, there's there's a lot of lingo that I don't even normally use that people should use, but mm -hmm. um, it just really taught me to tighten up. Tighten and, up and, is like what I could actually like say the most. It's just like, well, I, I got to tighten up my game. And a credit to you, you didn't do it until I said, um, if you, <laughs> I said, if you don't do it, you're doing your, the people who look up to you a disservice. Right. <laughs> that's what you said. I that, but when I said that, that's when you finally pulled the trigger. But I meant it. Like yeah. it, it's, a, it's a lot of people that look up to you. And I think somebody in your position, somebody that's a great, not only a great public adjuster, but a great marketer, a lot of people are going to come to you and you need to have different, uh, different points of view from what we do in order to, because a lot of, a lot of people are not good marketers, but you are. So yeah. people are going to flock to you. They need to know that when they come, they're getting the top of the line knowledge, which I believe that you can provide them. So that's good. Yeah, I think in order to be a, a successful public adjuster, I think you need a couple of things. I think one of them, which is luckily what I've I've been pretty good at, but I've been burned, um, is just like I said, is is just building the good 
confident, not confident, good positive relationships with people. And I always try to do that to the other side. Like I was telling mm-hmm. somebody the other day, I kill them with kindness. I'm always going to be super nice. I'm going to be as nice as possible. If you step out of line, then we're going to have a problem. But that being said, I'm going to give you some leeway because I want to make sure that you know everything turns out okay and hopefully everyone's happy at the end of the day. Amongst that, building relationships relationships with people with the other side. And obviously, if you want to get referrals, you want to get relationships with roofers and with contractors and with everybody else in the in the common industry so you get those referrals. The other thing that I think is very important is education. Mm-hmm. You gotta educate yourself and you gotta educate yourself on this business. And I know, and myself included, for many years, a lot of public adjusters, just because I don't know, I don't know what it is, but a lot of public adjusters do not take the time to educate themselves on the claims process. And if I can say anything at all, and one thing that you've also taught me as well is man, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's priceless because if you can have, if you're good at the relationship or let's say the sales part of, 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 of claims, which you know, as well as I do, it's a big part. If you want to say, if you know a ton about claims, but you ain't got no claims, then you got a problem. Absolutely. You know, I have the claims. <laughs> but once you got those claims rolling, you know, man, to know some of the stuff that I learned in the Skipton and to know some of the stuff that I know you've learned, I'll be honest, I'll tell people right now, in the two years that you've been a public adjuster, you know more than I do. Oh, right? Man. Little nuances, right? Little nuances mm-hmm. that even like I'll call you about. I mean, we what we talk to each other at least two to three times a week. Absolutely. And for some reason, every time we talk, it's at least a 30 minute phone call. Oh yeah, because because we getting into it, man. We get into the thick of the grits. Absolutely, Absolutely you know, and man. it's it's so important to educate yourself and to like I got I got let's see I have it right here I got Skipton's book right here. Every oh, once yeah. in a while, I finished, I finished that um a couple of days ago. Oh, man, uh, I don't know if you finished it yet. But no, yeah, I'm halfway through, but I saw the other one you're reading that I actually read already, which is the first book. I didn't know there was any other book. It's the only book that I could find. The insurance one, the claim one that you're reading now, you probably got it on Amazon. I'm reading, I'm reading um several of them. I'm reading um I have the the delay deny defend that I'm like a couple. It's it's called delay deny defend. Um, I don't know who wrote it. Uh, it's another one, man. I'm reading because the way my mind works is I, I usually have to read multiple books at once because if I try to stick to one book, that's what I do. It's yeah. impossible because you get bored. Yeah. So, so, but so I, I read through the skip and man, I'm trying to think of what else did I learn from that book, man? It was, well, it was funny. You mentioned it earlier, but it was funny how even I had the aha moment when you were talking about depreciation and you were talking uh-huh. about drywall or something. Yeah. When you mentioned it to me, I was like, duh. And when I told you, you were like, me too. I was like, duh, also, right? It, it's kind of like a good comedian. Like when, when you go to see a good stand up, you're laughing because you know it's true. You just never thought about it that way, right? right. And, and and that's how it was. When I was reading uh, that book, I'm like, I, I, I should have known that. And, Duh, but, right. but then as soon as they said, you're like, of course I know that, but I didn't apply it the right way. And and I think from what they're talk from what we're talking about, just so people know, it's uh when whenever. And uh, you come in and do a flood cut, right? A two foot flood cut around the room uh, due to uh, rising water. Uh, And the insurance company comes in and they do the repair of the drywall. They add that two foot cut. 
and then they depreciate it. That's not a replacement. That's a repair. Therefore, if it if the material wasn't replaced, if it was only repaired, there was no betterment. Therefore, the insurance company should not be depreciating it. And I learned that from uh, David Skipton's book. I mean, it was it was really. Uh, and once again, when when I read it, I'm like, of course. But I just never thought about it that way. Let's see if we can try to come up with as many as possible. We got the claims game by Skipton. Man, what's the one you're reading now? Come on. You put it on Facebook all the time. Oh, let me uh, grab it. Let me make sure. We've got that one by uh, by Chip Merlin. On one second. Chip Merlin book. That's a good one. There's also a lot of negotiation books that I talk about all the time. Negotiation books like um, Getting to Yes is one of my favorites. Negotiating. That's Getting to Yes. And uh, what was the other one? Another one that um, that I really like a lot that I can't remember right now. It's by the hostage negotiator. The hostage negotiator that... Um, Rich Voss, Never Split the Difference. Never Split the Difference. That's another one. All right. So we got this. Uh, pay That's Up. Pay Up by Chip Merlin. Okay. By the way, we are not receiving any kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting paid. We're not getting nothing. If anything, we're paying for these things. So yeah, I'm, and they cost some money too because it's you oh, know. It's I a, haven't I haven't seen that one. What's that one again? Delay, Wait, put it on, I can't see it on the half of the screen. Delay, deny, defend. Oh, I have never even seen that one. Oh yeah, so I'm uh, no, just that's my dog here. I'm 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 only up to the introduction. So let's see. Uh, it's the little. It's the little one. No, and, that one we already know about. Okay. Game. Then we have uh, that one, Insurance Claim Secrets Revealed. I thought that was the only public adjusting book out there about a year and a half ago. And you said you read that? I read that one. Okay, got it. Now, I like I also, that one because that one's like for policyholders. Now, I also read this now. This is actually the uh, That looks the terrible. That looks awful. Yeah, but because it's, it's well used. It's like a... It's like my Bible. Like no, it just looks like a look. It looks like an awfully boring book. It is, man. But it's not boring. See, that's the thing. Once, once I started realizing that efficiency was my friend. This man. This is like this is the funnest book. This is like a Marvel movie to me now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got issues. Yeah, uh, insurance claim book is like a Marvel movie. Yeah, issues. Plenty of issues. Hey, and then uh, now this isn't specifically um, uh, insurance, but it's it's spin selling. Spin selling. Mill, right? So basically, um, this basically teaches you how to um, sell high ticket items. And what's considered a high ticket item is is really uh, anything probably that's you know more than a hundred dollars, and a customer knows that they'll likely have to see you again. It's possible that they have to see you again. Like a uh, low ticket items, like twenty five, thirty dollars. Somebody will buy that, and they'll never see you again. And if the product doesn't work, they won't even complain, right? Uh, but when you're dealing with what we're dealing with, people putting their trust in us, uh, it's it's basically called spin selling, where you ask people uh, implication questions to get them to uh, let you know what their explicit needs are. And if you can get them to ask you for help. Instead of you asking them to sign your contract, it completely changes the entire dynamic of the relationship. 
That's like, interesting. It, yeah. It How changes. You, what's the way of doing that? What's one of the ways of doing that? I'd like to know. Well, I mean, how do, well, get, how do you get, I think one of them I've seen on online is uh, sometimes you ask, you ask yes questions, right? Or you could ask uh, like questions are like, uh, can you handle this claim yourself? No. Or, or maybe it's no questions. I don't know. You tell me what is it? What is it like? What is it like? Right. All right. So basically whoever is asking the questions controls the conversation. Do you agree? Yes. So, so basically if you're, if you find yourself in a situation where the homeowner is always asking you question after question and you're the one doing the answering, you're doing something wrong. All right. So what you do is you, you know what the explicit needs are. Like we, we've dealt with so much. We know uh, the home is losing value. Uh, we know uh, there's potential health risk to water not being taken care of correctly. We know what the, the stats are as it relates to uh, people successfully getting what they deserve for the insurance company. We know things like um, that people are very busy and they've never handled this before. So you, you compile a bunch of questions to help people arrive to what we already know. So when they get nice. there, Basically, uh, so any product has uh, uh, features and benefits, right? So a feature is just what the product does. For example, you might have a coffee maker that a feature is it has a clock on it and that you can set it to automatically start making coffee in the morning, right? But it's not necessarily a benefit to the person who doesn't have to get up early in the morning. Like they don't care about that feature. But so when you tell them, hey, you should buy this coffee pot because it goes off automatically, they're going to be like, well, that doesn't matter to me. And then they're going to move on. Now you got an objection that you got to overcome when you could have just asked them up front. So what do you want your coffee pot to do? And then when they tell you that you you ask more questions related to that and then it split, eventually they say, well, how do I get a coffee pot that does that? Do you know where I can get a coffee pot that does that? And then, so that's the same with public adjusting. You you keep asking them questions to get to where they explicitly ask you for help. And that's what I do. And it, it just makes the relationship better. So, um, do you want to, so let's see, let's see if I could see if I understand. So do you, uh, are you aware of what could happen to your wood floors if the water is here for too long? Nah, uh, well, are you aware? Nah. So, so I mean, so what's been happening uh, uh, to your wood floors? I mean, not are you aware what could happen? No, I, I can ask them what I can ask them personally what's been happening because I can start talking about uh, micro. Well, that's, how, that's how I get the facts of loss. Is that what you're talking about, too? Or getting a lot of it? Because I ask God, I ask a ton of questions every time I walk into a new claim. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. See, see, you're asking you're doing what you're supposed to do without thinking of it that way, because usually I think the way you have it set up, you have a referral system. Right. Same as myself. And you get in there and I've seen you the at least with the one that I walked in on you on. You were asking all of the questions. No, I got uh, that. By the way, that's going to be part of the one on one consultation course is a list of questions that I ask to every single client when I first meet them. 
Absolutely. But 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 once again, it's like a so, laundry list of questions, man. It's like a good 20, 25 questions. And the other question the questions lead to other questions, lead to other questions. You got to get the facts. So so this, so the reason why that question, are you aware what happens? It 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 implies that you know what happens. And then the customer is gonna say, No, what does happen? No, that's that's them asking you a question again. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's why you're questionably, so what has been happening to your floors? Right. And then right. that's what they're going to say. They're going to say, oh, man, you know, and, and my, my, my mother in law came in. She noticed it. She said, oh, and, and then so now she doesn't care about microorganisms. She cares about how it looks when her mother in law comes over. So then that's that's when that's when you direct what you're saying toward the aesthetics, not necessarily the the micro, but the aesthetics of it all. Oh, yeah. And then that's when you start talking about line of sight. That's when you start talking about continuous floors, because that's what they just told you based off your questions, what they're what they care about. And then, boom, goes from there. So that's what I learned from that book. And then um, I know a lot of people know about this one. Uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, oh, it's another book. Hold on. I got I got to show this one. See, all my books are on my uh, all my books are on my Kindle. The Kindle, Amazon Kindle app on my phone. No more hard copy books for me. No more at all. Those days are over. Ah, uh, man. It's it's an older book. Psychopictography. What the hell is that? The new way to use <laughs> miracle what? Man, it didn't. Oh, let me see. Uh, the new way to use miracle power of your mind. Y'all going to think I'm a hippie now. But now nah, it, it, it's. It's really, uh, you know, I, I know the mind controls everything. So it just teaches you strategy. It t tells you little mental pictures, little stories. Uh, and um, and based off those stories, uh, you put it in your mind. And just like what we were talking about, when you see something happening, you know, it's possible. So these stories basically let your mind know that's possible. And then your mind works towards it because it knows it's possible now. So it's, it's real cool book. The power of the mind, man. The power yeah. of the mind. It's a mother. Mm -hmm. Hold on, because you know I got we got we're going to be talking about books. I got to be talking about some books. Yeah. Because let's see here, man. You know what I'm into right now? <laughs> Meditations by Marcus Aurelius ah. and Alan Watts, the book. So when you say meditations, what it, it teaches you how to get past those first five minutes of of antsiness. It ain't nothing about it ain't nothing about meditations. I'm going ah. off the wall here, but it's basically Marcus Aurelius was one of the emperors of Rome back in the Roman times when uh, Rome was in charge of the world. Basically, he came in after Caesar, and he was one of the he studied a lot of Greek philosophy. And he was one of the smartest guys. He came up with all this crazy philosophy. And it's like, it's some funky stuff. It's some funky stuff. Mm -hmm. This is a good one that I saw um, that I haven't really started yet. But it's called, oh, there's, there's one called Jumpstart Your Brain, which is really good. Uh, one other one called uh, Words That Change Minds. That's another good one. Jumpstart Your Brain, Words That Change Minds. Essentialism is one that is recommended big time by a lot of big business owners. And essentialism is basically just a way, I read that one, it's basically to try to find a way that you could just narrow only that only narrow it down to only the important stuff. So basically like what you're doing by maybe replying to Texas 
text messages and emails later on in the day, as opposed to it constantly filling up your mind like I do throughout the entire day, that's actually what you're doing is actually better. And you also mm -hmm. want to just try to narrow it down to only the essential things that need to be done. And, and what is it that's going to sort of make it make you what's going to build your business, make you more successful? Because there's a lot of stuff that we do throughout the day that that just has nothing to do with anything. And then one of my favorite ones that I'll tell you right now, it's called the one. And the one thing is really cool. That's this one right here. The one, the one thing. thing. Mm -hmm. All right. That one's called is uh, the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And he talks about narrowing it down to just one thing that you need to be doing to better yourself or to better, to better your business. And he breaks it down into what's the one thing that you can do What's the one thing that you could accomplish in the next year that will make your business better, for instance? Mm -hmm. What can you do in the next six months to get you towards that year goal? What can you do in the next three months to get you towards that six month? What can you do this month to get you to that three month? What can you do this week to get you to that, to that month? And what can you do today to get you to that and uh, to the, get you to that week, and what can you do right now to get you to your end day goal? Ah, uh, man, now, now, hold on, man. Now you just made me think about um, one of the mental. So I guess I get to show. Can I show an example of a mental picture that's that's basically piggybacking off of what you just said? This uh, you, we make you, our own rules here, Randolph. We do whatever absolutely. the hell we want. So, so what you said was um, that. You, you have that one thing and what can you be doing today to get you to that thing? What can you be doing six months from now to get you that thing three months from now? Right. So it reminds me of not just in case you thought I was a hippie, you're really going to think I am one now. So here you go. So uh, let's see. All right. So this is this is an example of the mental a mental picture. Doc, and you, they're probably not going to get it. But just as an example. So Remember, a lot of people are listening on podcast, too. So. Oh yeah, it's all good. Trying to explain it. All right, so it says suppose it's suppose it is seven o'clock and you want to catch a certain television program coming on at eight. You can tune your set to the correct channel now. Then all you need to do is wait for it to come to you. You can relax in the knowledge that you are correctly tuned in, that the program must eventually be yours to experience. You need to have no care, nor responsibility for its arrival. Finally, of its own accord, and at the right time, your desire appears. Oh. Now, that's just that's what they call a mental picture. When I said that, if you didn't go, rewind this back and get the mental picture of what I'm saying, with me. Me taking all of these courses and continuing to take these courses that are related to my primary revenue source is me staying tuned into the correct channel. And I don't stress about deals like I have people that call me and I ask them for documentation. If they don't send me the documentation that I want and then I, and then I, I, I steady try to work with them and then they're dragging their feet, I won't take the client. Now, do I feel do I need money? Of course. But do I stress about that? No, because I know that I, I'm studying to where I'm able to make decisions like that. I'm staying tuned in to my channel 
And when that perfect opportunity comes, because I, I mean, I, I don't know about y'all public adjusters, but I've heard some amazing commission stories. I've heard I've heard stories that it might have taken five years, but the uh, the adjuster commission was in the seven figures. Like, that's amazing. So if you just stay tuned into the right channel, it's going to happen. Everything is going to happen. And just like you said, that one thing, if you can, if you know what what uh, that one thing is, if you know that show that you're trying to watch, if you know that goal that you're trying to achieve, tune in. Like watching this podcast, it's, uh, it's so many other things that people can be doing instead of watching two public adjusters talk about uh, uh, psychopictography. But, <laughs> but you're tuned in and the great things are going to eventually happen. It, it's, it's, just the law, it's just the law of nature. That's just how it works. But just like great things happen, bad things happen. So you just prepare. And, and, and when you keep doing things like this, when you keep studying, when you keep going to courses like yours, when you look for other people who've been doing this for more than five years, more than a decade, more than decades, when you keep tuning in to them, your, your station will come. It's like uh, luck. What is it? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, that's what they say. It makes sense. It makes sense. It, it makes sense. luck. It ain't it's, luck. When it, when it comes on your plate, and you've got and you know what to do and you're prepared to take it on. Yeah, and there it is. And swing up because uh, what I've learned from a lot of successful entrepreneurs and business owners is what happens is they get real good at a thing. And then another opportunity comes that they're not completely confident in. But that's the difference between them and the scam artists. The scam artist is going to take that opportunity. They're going to take all the money they can get and they're going to fade to black. The, the person that's really trying to make something of themselves are going to accept that uh, that uh, challenge. But they're going to continue to work to where now they just as confident in that new thing as they were in the last thing. And then all of a sudden, another opportunity is going to come that you're not that much confident, but you can't be a, you can't be scared. You have to take it. You have to do it. What are some of the, um, I brought you on for two reasons because of your, of your, of your knowledge and uh, wanting to educate yourself. But frankly, I brought you on because you're a relatively new public adjuster. Yeah. What mm -hmm. are some of the things that, what are, what are some of the hardships? What are some of the times that you were just like, ah, did you have any of those times or you just keep pushing forward? Did you keep just learning and stuff? Cause I get a lot of messages all the time about public adjusters being pretty discouraged. Usually it's about the clients or it's about the insurance companies, but you got anything? I don't know, man. It's just. Or what's something that you can tell new public adjusters who are just starting out? What should they do in order to make okay. sure that they get on the got ball, All right. grow got their it. business, and they don't have to worry too much if they're if they're worried about being successful or if they're worried about about you know succeeding in this industry? What can you tell them? I'm glad you rephrased it, because for me, I, once again, I didn't really have a lot of the, the money issues because it's just that's just a part of my personality. And like I said, I'm a product financial consultant. It's certain things that I just can't do. Uh, for example, uh, a lot of public adjusters use Xactimate, right? Some 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 public a lot of public adjusters get uh, their estimates done. But this is for the public adjusters that use it, that to make themselves. If 
I have the professional program where it's about $350 a month if you pay monthly. Or you can pay by the year and pay $1,835. So $300 a month comes to a, what, $4,200? Wow, that's a or, big difference. Or you can pay $1,835 if you're willing to pay it all at once. Because we get those claims that come in right that um the way we get you know anywhere from five six thousand dollar commission and you know you need this exactimate all year why not pay that money and now you just saved all those thousands of dollars so me the reason why i didn't run into money things is because i did stuff like that like uh so i paid for my uh exactimate all at once what else i did uh I went to the right events like so. So I made sure to where I was protecting myself to where I had money coming in. I established a a, a relationship with an attorney to where they were having me do uh, their expert inspections. So I had I had continuous money coming in. Yeah, you were not just doing public adjusting for a while. I remember you were doing uh, you were doing a lot of estimates for attorneys and stuff. No. Yeah, and that and it, and it was significant money. Bring like, in the money. Yeah, if, if if you're doing these at a flat rate of anywhere from uh four to five hundred dollar flat rate, just to go out and you know take pictures, uh, uh, put together a, a estimate, an estimate, you know, take pictures might have took you an hour, um, putting that together, the estimate might have taken you another hour, and the commute might have taken you an hour. So that's three hours, but you just made at least four hundred dollars and you're doing 10 of those a week nice that's four thousand dollars a week yeah that, that that gives you the opportunity to really uh have the confidence to negotiate the people who are calling you as a, a public adjuster because that's that's the opportunity i had I, I wasn't so quick to sign new clients and and i think that's why i've been so successful in the ones that i actually do sign because I'm asking them questions as if they are interviewing to see if they're eligible to work with me, not the other way around. But the only reason that I was able to do that is because of the, the money that I had coming in. And keep in mind, this was also feeding the same skill set. Me doing this for the attorney was making me a better public adjuster and vice versa. So I was still tuned into the same station. I just found a way to decrease the money that I had going out and increase the money that I had coming in from other means, but still building on the same skill set. Anything else? Can you uh, can you give me some words, some Randolph love words of encouragement to all the new public adjusters who are trying to make it? Don't be scared to spend on yourself. Um, what happens is we start getting uh, these big commission checks, right? And quickly, of course, uh, understandably so, we want to take vacations and we want to spend money on our friends and family. I say still keep doing that. However, if you are thinking about, this is just my opinion, if you are thinking about investing in the stock market because you got this surplus of income or other other types of investments like homes and things of that nature, in my opinion, and based off of 
the opinion of people that I respect, you know, the way they think. If you're not making at least five thousand dollars a month in, in disposable income every month. If you're investing in anything else but yourself, you're doing yourself a disservice. Right. Uh, some of these uh, public adjusted courses are anywhere from fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. Right. But let's say at the highest that two thousand dollars, that two thousand dollars I can attribute to making me just this year alone at least an extra 15 grand right so if i'm making just the extra 15 grand already and the year isn't even over and i think about all of the other money that i'm going to make off of what i learned from spending that money where else can you just put up two thousand dollars and average 30 grand in return a year exactly right so the investment in yourself was the smart investment and now that you did that and now you're averaging that extra 30 grand a year now you can invest in other things like stock and homes and things of that nature but the first commission checks and you asked me what what I my words of wisdom your first commission checks in my opinion should go toward buying books and taking courses uh, and, and it doesn't have to necessarily be something that's specifically insurance, but sales books and other things of that nature that keep you tuned in to the same channel is what you need to do. Bam. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, man. I mean, that's all I got. Uh, I can't think of much else. Um, oh, man. I appreciate the invite. Do you want to talk about you being a famous rap star? <laughs> I, I've made music. Uh, people listen to it all around the world, but I don't know if I'm famous. <laughs> let me see. Let me see. Let me see. It ain't gonna sound that great. So if it doesn't, you if it doesn't sound that great, would you prefer I don't even play it? Man, listen. I make it regardless of how it sounds right now. I know it's amazing, so it doesn't. Oh! <laughs> it doesn't really matter. But but that. Randolph Love, by the way, guys. <laughs> now, this is a deep track now. <laughs> Sit back and whistle. Some choose the pistol, some passive. They choose to tissue or casual. I choose no issues. I'm the dude that choose to whistle just like business attire required. Nine days is what they told me in school. That's what they told me the truth. 200,000 in debt. We get your pounds of respect and get your corporate approved. Your brand new mortgage is too. I caught it. Come with it. Rap with it. Right come with a boat. Indeed, that's all that you know. Don't believe the hype is a show. They believe my life is a joke. Cause I see the light through the smoke. Literally, my life is a quote. Do believe in right like I smoke. Exotically, don't take a prize. No, man. Yeah. Yeah. That is hot. Absolutely. But yeah, that's and, and, and that that goes on to what I was saying. What we do is uh, considered specialized knowledge. It's not a college degree. It's it's what people when, when people get to their their masters, that's considered the specialization, right? Mm -hmm. We just so happen to be in a field to where we can go straight to the specialists. It's like having a PPO versus an HMO. You know, uh, HMO, you have to see your primary first and then they have to refer you to the specialist. Uh, as public adjusters, 
we get to go straight to the specialist education. And that's that's the way I treat it as such. I know that somebody going to an Ivy League school is paying upwards of thirty, fifty thousand dollars a year, right? Uh, at at least, right? So why not invest a fraction of that in my education? Very well said, Randolph. All right. I think, man, that was fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, and of course, and every time I have a long conversation with you, I always learn something. Oh, man. And, and the feeling is mutual. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. Man. Well, I think we're good. I can't think of much else. I like the specialized knowledge, by the way, too, because I tell, oh, man, I don't know. For those who are listening, I don't think they'll mind that I say this. But if, I mean, a college education, get it. It's good. It's important. But if you don't, don't be discouraged. Yeah, you, don't can, be discouraged. you can get so many licenses and you can get so much education, specialized knowledge, like you're saying. I mean, frankly, thank God I was able to have the, the, the means and I don't know how I finished, but I did get myself a college education. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, as, as great as I it's great to have it. It's not it's at all in either of, of what we do. It's not necessary to have. I mean, you've got more letters after your name than in your name. Let me tell you, I actually did. Uh, I did. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> I have more letters. First time you ever heard that before? <laughs> that's the first time you ever heard that? You're cracking up right now. Look at <laughs> nah, that's funny. But uh, <laughs> what was I about to say? Because as soon as you said it, I got a visual of how long my name is versus how. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah. actually, what I did when, when I was deciding on what path to go, I researched what the average person with a master's degree made uh, because at the time it was about, all about money for me. Right. I found out later that money isn't everything. Right. But uh, I, I researched what the average person with a master's degree made. And then I researched what the average person with the designations that I was uh, setting out to achieve made. And it sur it's it, it surpassed the master's by. Uh, an amazing amount. I, I couldn't even, I couldn't believe it when I, when I did the research. That's interesting. I had no idea. That's very interesting. I got a buddy mm -hmm. of mine. He's dying to go back to school because he has this pride thing where he just, that's what he wants to do. He wants to know that he could finish a college degree to show his kids that he can get a college degree. And I'm just like, you crazy. You're going to spend, well, you know, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're pride Trump's logic, you know, <laughs> exactly. It does. Usually, usually it yeah. does. Yeah, not because it's one of them things is if if it really is something because uh, some people have that man to where if you don't succeed at that, you basically told your mind that you can't concede, succeed at anything else. Exactly. So if that's the only reason he's going, it's because he knows he, he has a, a creative block because he always goes back to. I didn't finish that goal, then that's a good reason. But if he's going to have make more money or be, then then he's going for the wrong reason. No, it's the creative block. It's the creative block. He's got. Then, he, then he's going for the right reason. In my in that situation, I think he's going for the right reason. If if he can really trace back his creative block is that he didn't succeed in that one moment in his life, and it's and it's attainable. I think he should do it no matter how old he is. Mike, Mike, that's for you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
All right, my but, man. Yeah, yeah, again, if, it ain't, if it's about money, then he, he's doing the wrong thing. No, I don't think that's what it's about. I don't okay, think that's cool. what it's about. Hey, an hour and 20 minutes? Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. We, we, we talk. <laughs> ain't that the truth? Randolph, all right. I'm going to cut this out. We're done. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Let's get on with our day. Thank you for the invite, man. Y'all have good and uh, good luck in your business endeavors, everybody. All right, my man. Thank you. All right. Later.